Hello, and welcome to this episode of Burn Your Draft, the podcast exploring the Reed Senior thesis process and experience. I'm your producer and host, Albert Corellis, and today we'll be talking with Reed English major Will Knight about his thesis on the comic Watchmen and the Bakhtinian chronotope. Will, why don't you tell us a little about the theory of comic books? My name is Will Knight. Uh, I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. I'm an English major, and the title of my thesis is Extended Gutters, Sequencing Space and the Narrative Power of the Panel in Watchmen. I did a, a comic studies thesis, which is to say that it's very kind of tied up in the formal qualities of, of comic books. And I, I kind of like yeah. didn't mean for it to be that when I, when I set out to do this. And I'm, I, and I feel comfortable saying like, I'm not really a comics guy. You know, I've, I've read some here and there, but this got me like super into it. And I think it probably, you know, reading some of the theory, like got yeah. me to uh, actually like start to engage with, with comics a little bit more seriously. That's good. Yeah, totally. So the, the objective really is to to use Watchmen, which I think is particularly useful just because it's such kind of a self-aware text, I feel that's fair to say. And mm-hmm. it also has these like incredibly standard nine by nine panel grid layouts. So for, you know, what, what I call quote unquote, mm-hmm. a normal page would be uh, nine images arranged in a three by three. And now sometimes you might have more or less than nine panels. Um, so you could have one row, which is just two, but one of those two would more likely than not take up the space of two kind of normal panel sizes. So there's kind of like a consistent format between the pages. Absolutely, yeah. And and that breaks here and there, mm-hmm. but for the most part, that is fairly standard. And and even sometimes you'll get like six panels instead of three, and so there'll be two for each, you know, panel space. So I think it was really useful for me to talk about because this thesis is sort of about the panel sequence and the ways that can be abstracted and to kind of have something that's a little bit more standard. So there's not like Spider-Man swinging, you know, across panels across the page and there's not too much to deal with. It's actually fairly easy to kind of be able to pace the whole thing temporally based on the kind of spatial beats that are provided by each panel. Right. And so what becomes really interesting is the space between mm-hmm. the, the gutters, if you will, hence, hence the extended gutters part of, <laughs> of my title, which is also a Rorschach quote uh, from the comics. Oh, so, I know. see. And so that kind of complicates time because there's all this unaccounted for temporality between the panel images that we have to fill in ourselves. So like in comparison to like film, we're at the 24 frames per second pace of the projected image. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case in comics. And so, so there's all this kind of, I don't know, interesting way to read them spatially as well as temporally. And so a couple like different routes I took with that is I wrote a chapter about the relationship between word and image and narration, because Rorschach, among other characters in Watchmen, narrates the story throughout through these like kind of journal experts. And I was kind of comparing the act of having a narrator as well as the image maker in, in a very like film-like way, where, where Dave Gibbons, who did the illustrations, and then John Higgins, who did the coloring, kind of under Alan Moore's direction, had created interpretation of the world that at times, you know, was at odds maybe with what Mm -hmm. kind of Rorschach was saying in his journal entries. So that was kind of one direction I took with it. I also got to talk about one of the more, I think, novel ideas in my thesis is I got to talk about this idea of crime fighting time. So these moments of combat were really interesting because Mm -hmm. you actually find that most of the time when like combat is taking place, there's a red haze over each panel or the backdrop will be completely red. And so there's these like interesting delineations of space where the act of fighting can exist disconnected spatially from everything else. Yeah. One of the theories I, I kind of put forward was that 
maybe we can locate this in other comics and sort of find a network here with the way narrative of the vigilante superhero involves beating people up um, in, a, in, a, in a way that is permitted because of the spatial distinction from, from the rest of the kind yeah. of realistic world. And then I got to write like 10 pages at the end about the movie, oh, which nice. I, I found uh, a lot of fun. I think that movie is big and kind of stupid and sort of inaccessible, but I also sort of love it in like a lot of ways. That was just like really fun to talk about. Yeah. So I got to see how, uh, you know, Zack Snyder was able to adapt some of these very comic book like elements, which I actually found he did not. It wasn't one to one, but I think he mm -hmm. he really tried. And I think that. That was just really like fun to yeah you know go through. So you're kind of looking at these consistent formal components of Watchmen, absolutely, and and kind of yeah. figuring out how to interpret them. So you mentioned that you haven't really been a comic books right. person. So what was your entry into your major if it wasn't comic books? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I kind of knew I was going to be an English major since probably like my freshman year of high school. I had one specific teacher that was, I think, very uh, impactful in that regard. And she, she was very intense, but also very loving. And I think like got me to really like care about that as a school subject. Mm -hmm. Although I think the term English is yeah. fairly nebulous and can mean so many different things. Yeah. Like I'm not a great reader. I, I don't <laughs> read is? as much as anyone. Well, yeah, these days, especially. I don't read as much as I like should outside of class. Um, and I probably don't read as much as I should inside of class either. <laughs> Uh, if, if I had to be honest, but I don't think I, any really reads as much as they want to. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that is definitely a common trend, but I do really like movies and I like, you know, new media stuff. Mm -hmm. And so this was definitely like getting to do this thesis. One of the really cool things about it is it like got me introduced to like new side of, of doing English. And I think comic studies mm -hmm. ha has been around since the nineties, but kind of only since the nineties it felt like there was fertile ground, I guess, to, to traverse a little bit, which I think was really fun, mm -hmm. yeah. Did you come into Watchmen as a comic after looking at mm -hmm. films, like superhero films, or how, how did Watchmen yeah. come about? No, totally. So I actually saw the movie first. Mm. I saw the ultimate cut, which is like the three and a half hour long, <laughs> like, which, which I remember, I think it was my freshman year of read, actually. I was with friends and I, you know, for some reason or another, we decided that mm. that was what we were going to watch that night. I don't think we realized we had gotten the extended <laughs> cut, so... We were there for like three, like, you know, we're like, how long is this movie? Like, and, you know, it left an impression on me. And then I bought the book and I read it and that left an impression on me. It, you know, it's funny because I came in, like, I just knew I wanted to do a thesis with film. Yeah. I've taken every film class I can here. And so I had, I had kind of narrowed it down between doing a Watchmen thing and then doing one on Terrence Malick and transcendentalism. I remember walking into Maureen's office like the day I'm supposed to tell her which one I'm doing. And I just like remember thinking like, I, I gotta flip a coin, like I couldn't decide. And then, uh, and I decided on Watchmen and I was gonna talk about the movie because I have a lot of opinions about it. And I thought it was really interesting as an adaptation, mm -hmm. both formally, but also politically, especially the way it kind of updated some of Moore's politics, but also like responded to the post 9-11 mm -hmm. landscape of like 2009 America. So that was kind of like how I got into it. And then I think Maureen sort of pushed me to, to go back to the comic, because I think once you start getting to this question of adaptation, yeah. you start to realize, oh, I have to define what's happening in the comic. And to do that, you can write a whole thesis. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's sort of how I got into it, I kind of stumbled upon it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Cool.
why did you end up coming to read specifically? Like, were you interested in the thesis from the outset or? Uh, oh no, like I was that? scared. I was so scared of doing a thesis. Uh, in my freshman year, I could not, I was like, that's later. Like I, I could not imagine having to do one. And it's, it's kind of funny how even I think, you know, sophomore year, I was like, I like, I don't know about that. The end of junior year, I was like, mm -hmm. I like had a couple ideas. One of them was the Watchmen one. Maybe like, like I, I think I can see myself doing this. And then, and then I, and I, I will say, I, I'm so glad that I got to go to a school that made me do one because having finished it, it is incredibly rewarding. And I think like, at least for me, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but it, it was an opportunity for me to do something that I wouldn't normally get to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm probably going to take a couple of years off. I want to go to grad school, mm -hmm. but this could be one of my last chances to kind of do a large form academic project like this. I think every English major does this, but I definitely came in yeah. wanting to do a creative thesis because that is like more cool. Like to like write a you know a short novel or something would be like sick. But uh, and I took a lot of creative writing classes. And, oh yeah, and uh, you know I really loved them. Uh, Pete Rock, who who I've taken a couple classes with. Oh yeah, Love is just my life. yeah he really he's just the best human being like ever. But I think I realized like I was like I don't know if I'm cut out for that. <laughs> like I'm like I think my writing's fine, but like I I also kind of felt like I can always write stuff personally and that's always going to be a part of me but this might be like i might not get a chance to do something like this again yeah so that's why i went to the more academic traditional side of things so. yeah what did working on your thesis look like for you what was your day-to-day -day like <laughs> i'm a terrible procrastinator so my day-to-day -day was convincing myself that i would work and then not working <laughs> and then like a couple hours before my weekly meeting with my advisor marine just like doing multiple pages in like two hours <laughs> and like turning them in and being like Ugh, like literally think next week i'll do more <laughs> And so it came down to like, because uh, your first semester, you have to finish your first chapter in the English department. So, mm -hmm. and all literature and languages are like that. It's maybe not quite a month, but it's fairly before you leave for winter break. And so I think there was that final week, more accurately, probably a couple of days where I did a lot of my first chapter just at once. Mm -hmm. And then that was, I think, true even for finishing it, because my draft wasn't in a good place at all. And you finish your draft about a month before you turn in the final thesis. And so I think I, I, I remember realizing at the start of April being like, oh, like I have four weeks to like finish this. And then that's when I was like every day at the library. I was also in the mill. I was at the, for oh, the last nice. like, week of my thesis. I actually spent multiple nights in the mill. Like I was not in my apartment for more than like two hours at a time. The mill like, is kind of a beautiful yeah, place. Shout out to the people who run the mill. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, nice. But you, you managed to get it all done, Absolutely, despite yeah. the uh, the timing difficulties. Yeah. Did that generate for you any any thesis knowledge? Do you have any great advice or wisdom to hand on to people who are about to start doing it soon? Okay, so when you start your thesis, you'll get an email from the library that says, here's the thesis template. You can download it from our website. It's like a Word doc that has specific formatting rules. And uh, you should really put, you should really do this from as soon as you start writing, because it's going to be harder to format everything later. I put mine in the thesis template 4 a.m. before my thesis was due, which was, I think, three o'clock the next day. And that was a nightmare. <laughs> like, I was really scared that I wasn't going to finish in time. And it worked out, but like, don't do what I did. So that, that's my biggest advice is follow the thesis template that it's more complicated than you think that's, it would. That sounds like uh, good wisdom. Yeah. Besides the template, did you have any unexpected challenges writing your thesis? At least for me and, and my friends who have also finished their thesis this year have felt in a similar way. At a certain point, it becomes yours and it stops becoming like this thing that you're doing for a grade or an assignment and, you know, or to graduate. And I remember feeling like, oh, okay, like I, I'm at a place where if I wrapped this up and turned mm -hmm. it in, I'd probably like I'd pass and I'd do fine and like I'd be okay with that. But like, I want this to be good, yeah. you know? And so I think like definitely choose something that you're passionate about if you can find that in your major, because 
finding finding the point where you start to care about it means that you're going to start to work on it yeah. more and it's going to get better. I guess just like passion. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. How was dealing with comic books? Because you mm-hmm. mentioned it hadn't been a medium that you were used to. Yeah. You know, part of, I don't know, the, maybe the advantage of, of talking about a text like Watchmen, which I feel everybody kind of has an opinion of, if, if, assuming you've read it, there's so much in it. And, and there's so much that has kind of already been addressed that every time I would read it, I would find more stuff. I would come to Marine with lists of ideas and ways I could take the thesis and like all these thoughts I had. And I ended up, I think I ended up rambling. I think probably our, one of our first meetings, I think I talked for like almost an hour and a half just straight about all these like complicated thoughts I had. And she was like, okay, narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down. And so I, I was lucky because I had a I had a text that was so deep that I never ran out of things to talk about. Yeah. And I think like and, and for the record, like I think you can totally do a comics thesis that isn't so tied up in the medium of it all, which I feel mine was. I think it was helpful for me coming from having seen a lot of movies. So I had I kind of already knew like how to analyze things visually and had done that in classes at Reed and was sort of used to that language and style of writing. And so it was a little bit easier to do that. And then it was really just reading the theory. Mm-hmm. What's great about comic studies is Scott McCloud and Will Eisner, who were both cartoonists and comics creators themselves, are like the guys that like really started it in, in the kind of you know 80s and 90s because no literary critics were talking about comics. And so they were writing, writing about it themselves. And so Scott McCloud's tentpole book, Understanding mm-hmm. Comics, is a comic itself. Yeah, I think I've seen yeah, that. It's, and so he explains everything extremely well because he's literally showing you what he's talking about. So I think it was actually fairly easy for me to like pick up on what was going on and then apply it to Watchmen. But I definitely yeah. think I was at an advantage because I had a text that was so like, yeah, dense. Yeah, that's you know? useful. What was the outcome of your thesis? Like what kind of text did you end up putting together? And how does that compare to what you thought you were going to be writing? So like I said, I kind of came into it thinking it was going to be more focused on the film and that and then that slowly uh, slowly yeah, got away from drifted. me to the point where I think I had written my first chapter and I remember talking to Marine and she's like, so what are your next two? And I was like, well, I want to do this thing about word and image and narration. And I had ideas for that. And then I was like, I still want to do one on the film. And she's like, I mean, is that really relevant <laughs> anymore? And I was, I was like, oh man, I don't know. My first chapter, I had a very short, like five page interlude between my first and my second. Then I had my second, which itself was cut down significantly. And then I was going to do a little code on the film. And it was just to be like, there's stuff going on here. Like, maybe we can take some of the conclusions I've come to and elaborate on them. And then I ended up writing probably like, probably 15 pages total. So probably about 10 pages longer than a coda should be. And then she was like, I guess just make it a big chapter. (laughs) So so I I got to sneak it in there. I was really happy uh, that I got to at least hang on to Mm -hmm. talking about the, the movie. I thought it was going to be more about like, the politics of both adaptations. And, and then it just turned into like a complete detailed formal consideration of, of the relationship between the panel sequence, word and image and space and time and the Bakhtinian chronotope and all these core concepts. But I'm happy with it because it, I felt like I could, with that, say stuff that maybe hadn't been said before. Yeah. So. I mean, you mentioned that the thesis, you know, it became yours. It was like this personal project. Yeah. Did you have any high-level takeaways from reading Watchmen? Oh, yeah. So... You know, it's funny because I think, and I think this probably happens with most people who, who do theses, but I definitely had those like 3 a.m. moments where I'm like, you know, in the library or the Miller or whatever, and I'm like, what, like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> am I really just another guy talking about Watchmen? <laughs> but I think like 
what was really exciting about it was that that concept that came to with the with the crime fighting time mm-hmm. because that 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 that's an extension of the way uh, Mikhail Bakhtin describes certain times. So like he uses Adventure Time and Fairy Tale Time in the novel. Yeah, and it was really exciting to kind of take the principles of that or the framework of that argument and use it in a completely different medium to describe a completely different genre being, I guess, maybe we could consider Watchmen a superhero comic or like an alt superhero comic in the same way that like Invincible and the Boys kind of, you know, did later on. That was really exciting to be able to talk about, hey, there's like, there's these things going on that are genre defining yeah. with the panel sequence that sort of says something about the the nature of the vigilante hero which was which was exciting and that's actually i i sort of just got a grant from the english department to kind of elaborate on that specific idea this summer so that that's yeah. sort of the next steps is to try to connect that to other comics and see how how that theory kind of holds you just get to write more about comics yeah again i feel like i've just stumbled upon this thing that i really did not like intend <laughs> to involve myself with i will say i feel very unequipped because i'm not a comics guy which means that i'm just going to have to read a lot of comics you have to rapidly um, become a comics guy absolutely and like and uh going to be reading more kind of theory and stuff the goal is to then kind of submit it to uh, a couple different comics to these journals uh, a few of which exist mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe maybe it gets published somewhere, which would be really yeah. cool. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of reading comics and a lot of, you know, kind of drawing connections between Watchmen and its contemporaries and probably also the stuff that came out. Do you want to pursue a career in comic studies? Or is it just kind of like one of the many possibilities right. now? At this rate, I mean, like, I feel like it's just going to happen. But yeah. no, but I, uh, I <laughs> Slowly actually... Slowly falling into it. Right. I am very interested in, in media studies in general. Mm-hmm. I'm planning on taking probably like two years off, maybe doing some teaching stuff, because I've always sort of wanted to, to, mm-hmm. to be a teacher. That's sort of where, like, where my head goes. But I want to go back to grad school, and I want to do, a you know, yeah. media studies and new media. And specifically, gaming studies is really interesting to me, because um, that's another kind of like comic studies. It's sort of... Mm-hmm. this very kind of new thing it's even newer than comic studies yeah the english department just hired a new professor who is who has a background in gaming studies and i got a chance to chat with him that's cool um so he gave me some advice for that because that could lead into more of a actual industry game development role or it could just be a purely academic thing i, I feel like marine and others have discouraged me to go the academic route because the because the uh, uh job prospects um it is something i'm passionate about so i also i say this now on a podcast and like completely just could <laughs> totally go the other way so i I make no promises. My final advice to the sort of task of writing a thesis is just you're meant to kind of take it in chunks, which I think is really helpful. So until those sort of stress points at the end, it's not always happening at once. And I think you really do have time to figure out like, you know, my thesis has changed, you know, like three different times, it feels like, you know, in the, in the course of writing it. And so I think like, finding a topic that is always interesting is important. I, I almost wish I thought about like what I was going to write about like a little bit longer. I think over the summer between my junior and senior year, I kind of just like came up with a few ideas off the top of my head. And I think I'm lucky that one of them ended up turning out to be like very fruitful. But I think, you know, here, here's a good way to put it. There's going to be a point in the middle of of your time writing a thesis where you like are like, I don't can I keep writing this? Like, like what, like, it's like, how, how am I possibly going to, to keep going? And you want to 
think about whatever your topic you're thinking about is in terms of like, can I make it past that? You know? Yeah. And and for me, I think I was like, if I, it was almost like if I get to a point where I start to hate Watchmen, I'm kind of okay with that. And also I think that like, I can get over that <laughs> on a certain yeah. point. And I don't think that happened. Terrence Malick was sort of the other option I was going to go with. And I, I think I almost enjoy some of those films too much to like really, uh, 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 you know, uh, make it a painful thing <laughs> almost. Uh, so yeah, I guess I, that was a little rambly, but I hope that, <laughs> I hope that helped. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. Exactly. Yes. Before we close out shout outs, people who supported you during your thesis, people who are important to be recognized. Oh my God. Yes. Obviously Maureen Harkin, who, uh, was my advisor was like very supportive the whole time. I think like, she's not a comic studies person either. And she was really gung-ho about like just learning about this thing and reading Watchmen. And uh, she even watched the movie, which was, which was great. She didn't like it, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's just been great the whole time. Uh, seriously. I also just like the cliche one, my parents for just like allowing me to uh, go here and, and just supporting me uh, both financially and emotionally while I finish up this thesis and just, uh, you know, every, I also just want to shout out like every other person who did a thesis this year, especially, you know, those, those of you I know in the English department who, uh, I mean, killed it, frankly. I mean, I've, you know, I've heard about a lot of the ones that were written and that just all sound awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess, I guess this goes out to everybody who's, <laughs> who's done this. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Will. I've yet to tackle Watchmen, but now I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to read another graphic novel without thinking about Bakhtin. I hope you'll join us again to hear more from students and alumni about what it means to burn your draft. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced, engineered, and hosted by me, Reed College student Albert Corellis. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from Joe Janiga. Our project manager is Nate Martin, staff member in class of 2016. Music by Jack Salvucci, class of 2020 and podcast art by alumni Henry Gotchlick and Lillian Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.